little bit of husband importance. Keep going. Importance talk. of husbanding. Hus- what animal. Are you really gonna talk? I'm sorry. Animal husbandry. I'm gonna talk like this. And how are you gonna talk, Jeremy? How do you want me to talk? Is that too quiet? Probably. Well, that's good. That's yeah. I don't know. He's gonna Should I just be like, oh my god? Maybe maybe don't somewhere in between. That. Yeah. Oh, well, no. I mean, don't you think that the levels will change when we get excited? Yeah. I mean, when you're excited, you're gonna be like, oh my god, but you probably won't hit that super. Oh my god. Um. um hey. Okay. So, hey everybody, I'm hi. Alec Wells. I'm Kat Knipe. And uh, with us today on Carry On, the Sex in the City podcast, uh, is our dear friend Jeremy Shane, aka Peppermill Dick. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> that is exactly what they call to me. To quote this episode. Hey everybody. Uh, hey Jeremy, Jeremy, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. Welcome to our show. So, just to give you a little bit of background information on what okay, we're doing fine. here. You know, it's 12 years after the show first premiered. We're taking a look back, starting from episode one and going chronologically, watching the show, critiquing the show, talking about the things we enjoy. Talking about how it holds up, if it holds up, um, what it has to say about feminism, how it was groundbreaking or felt it was groundbreaking then versus how something, a a certain line or scene might be perceived today because it's fucking 2014 oh by the way you can curse on this podcast oh, yeah um, shit and- <laughs> try it out poop <laughs> <laughs> you'll get there yeah okay. um so when we have a new guest on the first question we like to ask or the first story we want to hear about okay. is when did you discover sex in the city yeah, do you remember like sneakily seeing an episode when you were when you felt like you shouldn't be watching it no you know i never watched it college because it was like a big thing and yeah. like it was on DVD so everybody yeah. had it in college and there was a guy I went to school with Jordan who was a really big fan and he always talked about it but I didn't have HBO yeah so I didn't either you know now and your so your first introduction to um Samantha Jones was actually in mannequin 2 oh in mannequin one is she in mannequin one she's the mannequin in mannequin one okay. I know I saw the mannequin films growing up, but for me, Kim Cattrall only... was from uh, Police Academy. Like she was, that was oh, my wow. first she's experience. She's in Police Academy. Yeah, she's the female lead. Like Steve Gutenberg is super turned on by her, and she's the sexiest thing ever. And her hair is more new? brunette than blonde. But yeah. yeah, I mean, she's so young and so supple and mm-hmm. perfect, and she has that ass. Like my ass is perfection. Yeah, as she says later yeah. in the show. Uh, yeah, so. Tonight's episode that okay. we watched, season one, episode three, Ugh. Bay yeah. of Married Pigs, yes. which is the first in a thematic construct of this episode about the Cold War, which I totally do not think works at, at all. all. Uh, in yeah. fact, it's only confusing gibberish to it's me. It's very confusing. Whenever she starts I, talking about the Cold War. Let me just real quick War. establish this uh, episode aired June 21st, 1998. I always like to lay that down just yeah. oh to center it for you. Yeah. We but don't yeah. talk about our age as much on this, but let's say, see. Right? I was I was going into the eighth grade. Yeah, yeah I was then. young. I was yeah. so young. Yeah. yeah, when this episode aired. And uh, one of the movies that they're seeing at the end of the episode is mm-hmm. Godzilla, which that's that's accurate because oh, it yeah. came out the summer. Yeah, that's interesting. I just wonder, like, on a, I mean, we're skipping ahead here. We'll we'll go we'll go back to the beginning and go through the episode. But there are several instances. There are two instances where we see people outside a movie theater in this episode and we see actual movie posters like does that i feel like proprietarily that's that is way too big of an issue these days like no one's gonna 
no one's going to just show whatever movie poster happens to be up right. outside yeah, the theater the when they're filming. Or maybe it was carefully planned. I don't know. They got permission to show City of Angels. There and... was a carefully placed HBO ad from the Earth to the Moon on a bus in the background oh, when they were outside. That was smart. We'll so, Bay of Married Pigs, mm-hmm. the, the, this episode, the idea is about married people versus single people and that there is a cold war between them, that married people implicitly don't trust single people because they don't know what their agenda is. Right. I hate it when you're the only single person at a dinner party and they all look at you like you're a loser, leper, or Exactly. I'm telling you, married people are the enemy. This is again kind of going, uh, um, trying to do this high concept idea just like episode two did. Episode two was called Models and Mortals, and it's about like men who are modelizers, which means they only date models. Right. And they kind of try to frame it on the episode as, as though this is a thing we all know about. Like, well, this is like too, culturally, like, oh, everybody knows about a modelizer. Right. Um, and so it's sort of like this marrieds versus singles. I mean, I'm not saying that they're trying to invent a wheel that doesn't exist because clearly like this is, I get it, but the way they frame it is almost like, well, everyone knows. Right. Well, it's, this has been like, I think my problem with Michael Patrick King or Go whatever, on. Yeah. yeah, is that he thinks his life is the only relevant life, <laughs> and that like as like as a gay man, like you can tell like how like he's like, well, this is exactly how it is. I know he has no idea. I he lives love in a very it. small I love bubble. Him. He does, but I yeah. love him. Bless his heart. The, the, there is a conversation just to real quick, and then I'll get back to you. Um, I'm Michael Patrick King right now. Um, <laughs> on the Sex and City two DVD, well Blu-ray. Um, there are Abu special Dhabi? features. Abu okay. Dhabi do. There are special features, and there is a conversation with Michael Patrick Kane and um, Sarah Jessica Parker. Okay. And it ha- is nothing but what you're talking about right now. You love it. And it's it. great. I love it. It's fan- we'll watch it. Yeah, it's great. It. We'll watch it. Okay. Anyway, go on. Okay. No, I was just saying, I think yeah. it's funny. Like the, the whole uh, the whole series itself yeah. is, are these moments where you're like a straight woman is saying what a gay man thinks a straight woman would say oh in God, a city like New York. So, true. so you have these moments where she's like, you know, smoking her cigarette in her like asymmetrical bedroom. <laughs> which, you know, what is that? Why are the bookshelves on the right and there's three pictures that are crooked on the left? And like It's who Carrie is. Yeah. yeah. She can't she's be a Katie tamed. girl. Come yeah, on. she can't be tamed. Let's talk about the nude top. Should we get to okay. that later? Yeah. Or... No. Let's talk. Okay. First of all, <laughs> let's 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 really quickly start with the beginning of the episode, which again starts high concept or like with kind of like a story. One of the best things about living in a city like New York is leaving it. My friend Patience and her husband invited me out to the Hamptons for the weekend. Patience and Peter were the perfect married couple. They were fun, smart, and they looked like they fell out of a J. Crew catalog. If their house wasn't right on the beach, I would have hated them. Okay, I wanna I wanna I wanna jump into this for a yeah. second because okay, this is very early sex in the city. What we come to know of how the show lays out, we still are not there yet. This is the first episode written by Michael Patrick King. Okay. I noticed. And there are some pros to that. Um, and some Yeah, cons there were some well. really fun things in this episode. But again, like the first two episodes, this started out with a story about two people we don't give a shit about. Yes. Um, and later in the series, they figure out we care about the four girls, we care about what's going on in their lives. But it feels like early in the series, 
this is supposed to be, I've said this before, but like a real sex companion. So it's like, Which here are other lives. The music from Real Sex, mm-hmm. the song that they use in the Real Sex intro was featured in oh this episode. Oh my God. In the you were mentioning, okay. At a time where I knew all about Real Sex. Yes. Now that is an HBO show. That is something. That I felt. I remember, I, I think we must have had a free trial or something for like a month because I know I didn't have HBO consistently through my yeah. childhood, but I had it enough to have stayed up late when I wasn't supposed to be and watching that watching shit. Big and Taxi black Cab dick. Confessions, So much too. black dick yeah. on Real yeah. Sex. There was a ton of Holy it. moly. As much as but, you um, so, so the episode opens with Carrie. This also, I've noticed, like, these first several episodes, later on in the series when we get, we've gotten to know the characters much better, and when the writers have figured out the characters and the actors have figured out the characters much better. Although we, we talked on previ- in a previous episode, Jeremy, about how like Cynthia Nixon pretty much has Miranda pegged from episode one. Yeah. She is who that character is yeah. forever. Yeah. Um, but Which anyway. we have to talk about the fact that we had to watch Cynthia Nixon, who oh, is a, gonna... a devout lesbian. Yeah. Pretend to we're play. We're going to get there. You know, yeah. Miranda is a lesbian. She is the idea of a lesbian. She is fully a lesbian. But she's straight. But she's. Yeah. yeah. So, Mar- so anyway, so... Yeah, the beginning of this episode mm-hmm. it starts with Carrie... I guess what I was getting at in a long-winded way is because they don't quite have the characters figured out yet, that it, what is kind of a crutch or just an easy way to sort of tell stories early on is Carrie or Miranda or Charlotte, they all have, like, just these these friends. Like, of course they don't. Oh, they all have a million friends in New York, so they have people they can pull from. So, like, Carrie has her, her one of her favorite married couples... Um, who are Patience and Peter, and the beginning of the episode finds her going out to um, the Hamptons and staying with them, where Peter walks out, she comes out of her bedroom in the morning, and he's, he's he doesn't have pants. But can we talk about, I don't understand the age, the age of, okay, so Patience and Peter are obviously 30-something, right? Yeah. They have enough yeah. money to own a house in the Hamptons. Right. Yep. They, they invite their one single girlfriend to right. stay with them in the Hamptons overnight. Yes. So who does that? Nobody. First of right? all, I was really uncomfortable by as Carrie was Peter's telling clothes. her story. Well, yes, and his flop hair. <laughs> yeah. He's got that perfect nineties flop hair. It's but Chris Jenner. As when it was relevant. As she's telling her <laughs> he did look like Chris Jenner. It's yeah. true. You're right. And he was swimming in his clothes, exactly. by the way. They were but XLs. Um, oh god the, so, the long short sleeves so you did have a peppermill dick and you did the room that's true um so he uh what was i saying oh 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 um they it was as though they were going to climax as carrie's telling her story yes. about mr big which i think was intentional was it but about it mr. was big? over the top it was about well, she a man was in saying, a cab yeah, I thought it was Mr. Big. I thought she was telling the Mr. Big story. I've seen Big this story. episode so many times, and I never once thought she was talking about no, Mr. Big. No, just a guy in a cab. Because we don't meet Big until later. No, we've met Big. Big. We've already met him? episode yeah. one, Jeremy. Oh, Believe you it or Big? not, it's nuts. Okay. So, Carrie comes out The first of her time bedroom. she meets Big, that she runs into him on the street, and her purse spills, and he helps her pick up her condoms. Oh, that happens. It's classy. nuts. Anyway, go on. So, Carrie comes out of her bedroom. Peter is showing his Peter waist down. No clothes. She goes down and tells Patience, and 
Patience does not react well to the fact that here's something too. Peter and Patience have been married for one day, obviously, because (laughs) apparently they don't know each other at all because he goes to the bathroom in the nude. I expected that when she goes, Oh, did Carrie see your dick in the hallway? Yeah, this is something that happens. Yes, and she was like, Oh, sorry, Carrie. He just forgets his briefs, which would have been much more interesting, less conflict, more fun to watch. Yeah, instead, we have an angry woman who invited. A painted clown of a woman to the Hamptons yeah. for the weekend. <laughs> Straight up mime. You know, I thought a threesome was going to happen. That's if what I only. thought too. If only. And in fact, don't you think... It would have been the perfect opportunity. The perfect opportunity. More interesting. And definitely would have worked better into the Bay of Married Pigs. They had a threesome, or they proposed a threesome, but then because she shunned them... She's behind enemy lines. Exactly. Yeah. At the last minute... It didn't go down. Now, I just want to finish out this particular storyline really quick, just because it's another example, which I'll get to. So, so, you know, she's kicked out of the house. At a party later, she sees them. She's told the girls, Miranda and Charlotte and Samantha, about his pepper mill dick. That means that, he has a big dick that looks like a pepper. Yeah, because they're grinder. yeah. By the way, I mean, if you're listening to this, we're assuming you've watched the episode as a companion piece, and now you're listening to us. If not, Carrie has told her girlfriends over lunch about Peter showing off his dick, and then Samantha's like, "How big is it?" And, and just the waiter at that comes moment. over with the pepper mill. Anyone want any pepper? And it's a big. And Carrie just kind of gives a knowing look. So, how big was it? Fresh pepper. Yes, please. Thank you very much. That'll do. Yes. So to finish out that storyline real quick, she sees Patience and Peter at a party and Samantha is very drunk and she walks over, realizes he's pepper mill dick and proceeds to call him out on it. Party is terrible. (laughs) Who are you? Um, This is my friend Patience and this is her husband, Peter. I heard about you. (laughs) Which leads to a moment of sheer embarrassment between all of them. My point with finishing this out is that early on in the series, in the first two episodes, what's strange about the show that they fix later is it's a bunch of unresolved storylines. To me, that's an unresolved storyline because, you know, why... Why was Peter's penis hanging out in that scene? What was his motivation with that? I feel like later in the series, there would have been some payoff to that. But all we get is Samantha saying, maybe he was just showing it off like a monkey. I think that's our answer. Yeah, maybe he was just showing it off. We also get a lot of men... All the heterosexual men in this episode seem to have nothing. Like, they're all not even two-dimensional. They're Absolutely. just like, they're, they're, I am a married man. Absolutely. And this is my wife. They And they one of them even looked like Stephen King. That was <laughs> yeah. the most interesting thing about him. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the casting early on in this, first of all, I have I do have it's to like throw X-Files out casting. that yes. one real of the, people. One of, yes. One of our favorite things, <laughs> real Canadian people. Yeah. One of the, my favorite things, and I think, Alec, if I may speak for you, your favorite things about the show are, are the incredible amount of puns. Yes. Like mm. the plays on words. We just let, they're so much fun. And we got um, my first, so far in the first three episodes, my first, like, kind of gem, I thought, mm-hmm. which was that when Carrie saw Peter's dick, or the voiceover, she's like, oh, it was way too much Peter before coffee. Um, yes. Which is just silly, and it's not 
perfect. Right. But it is zippy and it Because it's not a carry pun. That's why. You know what? They're testing it out. That's a Samantha line. Mm-hmm. I would expect that out of Samantha any yeah. day of the week. Yeah. You know, but yeah. Carrie, Carrie yeah. isn't that witty. Um, I also true. joke that one of her best, like, typed lines mm-hmm. should have been and never was, are these small problems or are these big problems? Oh. And it never happened. I do. I was waiting do for I? it. That I reminds me of, um, of when, uh, Aiden gives Carrie her, his keys to his apartment and, and Charlotte goes, that's big. And she goes, no, that's the opposite of big. Oh. oh. Which is kind of like what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so, okay. But let's talk about, let's just pause for a moment. Cause Jeremy, I want to get back to what you were mentioning, which is one of the first outfits Carrie wears in this episode is this nude tube top. Yeah. So let's talk about them fashions and that Good. makeup. Okay, really good fashion. Because you made a sound I've never heard you make oh. when you saw that nude top. I couldn't believe... I was sh- literally shocked. You it know was why? Like, it was a guttural mouth queen. <laughs> it was a caveman <laughs> is, noise. I mean, yeah. I was uh, hurt. My feelings were hurt. I was upset. Yeah, you were. You know were. why? It's a... Who was the fashion... Who was the designer on this? Uh, oh, it was pa- um, Pat Field. Pat Field. Field. Okay, who Which, was... And I just double-checked on my phone while you guys were talking... She she was there from the beginning. This is a Pat Field yeah. episode. And you can tell this is someone who's like testing fashion in a way that the public hasn't seen. You know, where this is like not commercial. Because nothing the girls are wearing is commercial. Yeah. In fact, everything they're wearing is supposed to be like high profile, high design, interesting at the right. time. And we're coming out of the 90s and like the sleek, like weird, whatever. So she's wearing what is a like... I'm filming a scene in a shower, but I don't want to be topless nude top. <laughs> totally. Yeah. In fact, I, I ha- when I did background nude background work for the Jim Carrey film Yes Man, I had to wear, before they put me in pasties and like gave me even more money, I had to wear a nude top that was like that, but just smaller. Yeah. It was e- the exact same, that flimsy material that yes. you could just about see through. Yeah. With her full painted face. Heavy blue eyeshadow. Oh, yeah. Heavy, heavy light Almost pink Almost like that blush. white eyeliner. Just that she doesn't give that They call them garage while. doors. Mostly gay men are probably listening. I'm assuming garage that they know what a garage doors? door is. A garage door is when your eyeshadow is a solid color. And it's just all the way up and down. Raja season, what is that, three or four of Drag Race called them garage doors. That's where I was like, introduced to the public. Oh, my God. So her I garage doors. But the thing is, her face is... Every scene, it was painted more and oh, more yes. and oh, yes. more. And, and then her, she even had glitter. Them, them cheeks. The glitter? Did you notice the glitter? I did notice the glitter. I'm assuming they let a blind Alzheimer patient do her makeup. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it was like an If You Give a Wish foundation and some child a kid, had it. Yeah, lens, I was like, I want to do the makeup for this new yes. TV yeah. show. And then it died and then it did the makeup. Yeah. Dead. Yeah. With a yeah. gift certificate from Claire's. Yeah. Yep. Actually, it does look like a mortician did her makeup. Oh. I'm not even joking. That's what it looks She's like. Alive. To try it. God. She's alive. Oh, God. Um, uh, so, all right, let's talk about... So, we've talked... Carrie's storyline kind of centers around... The, okay, Patience and Peter, that happens. Mm-hmm. And then she goes to to a lunch with another... Her very her favorite... Her very favorite, who I've never seen. Couple. And never I guarantee again. you and we will never ever see, see them, them again. again. But we go... And, I, and who the fuck remembers their names? Um, but they... They... Uh, oops, accidentally, on purpose, set her up with a friend of theirs. And on then, a, quote-unquote, fix-up. Uh-huh. Apparently that's a term of the times. Yes. A fix-up. Yeah. So, and his... And he's... As Carrie puts it, she realizes she's on a date with, quote... 
um, uh, marriage guy. The marriage man. The marriage man. The Manhattan so marriage man or whatever. Marriage guy. Ma- marrying guy. Marrying Sorry, there guy. It is. That's why I take notes, you guys. Um, marrying guy, who's the, that elusive Manhattan man who actually... Like his per he he actually is focused on getting married, and he's like, "Come to my party, and I have this." Uh, who, oh, by the classic way, classic six on the Upper West Side. He had like a cross eye. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. He had a Columbo. Yeah. I mean, it was like crossed so many all the way of the in. men they put these women with over the years. They're just, they're not, not attractive. They're just flat faced. Like I just don't mm-hmm. care. And yeah. maybe that's the point. Was this before? I mean, this is in a time where people didn't have to be attractive to be famous. Yeah. Oh, you sure. Know? You yeah. think, look at Gillian Anderson before the haircut yes. versus after the haircut. Mm-hmm. Are we The talking? Scully 1 versus Oof. Scully 2. I hate to yeah, bring that back to again. Point. It's the only thing I have in the 90s to really... No, I get it. I just... Yeah. Gillian Anderson is such a bombshell. These, But I guess she, you forget season one of X-Files, one, that hair. Yeah. I mean, that Helmet episode... Head. Is it the first episode? One of the first episodes of X-Files when Gillian Anderson... When Scully goes on that date. Yeah. And she's got that hair and that dress. Yeah, and I've never in my life. But all seen these girls, ridiculous. this is a, this is a time where hair and makeup weren't an art form. Mm-hmm. They wanted the yeah. hair out of the face so they could see the girl, put in a Hollywood bump at a Kelly Carson highlight, call it a day. <laughs> yes. You know, it wasn't about <laughs> looking so good and calling it art. It was about like we're telling a story. Yes, we don't need the hair to get in the way. Yeah, right. And yeah. even fashion apparently wasn't even a big deal. Yeah. It wasn't until what, like season three, that she, you know, the things she wears in the opening credits. Yeah, that's yeah, it doesn't come timeless. Mm-hmm. I think right. that in the '90s they figured, literally, the more cloth on my body, the more fashion I have. Yes, because Drape. everything is so things. large. Yeah, nothing fits. The fit I mean, was poor, the... especially for men. Oh, I mean, the men in this God. episode, like, oh just... Gosh. Just t- turtlenecks and blazers together. It's like when they wear a crew neck shirt, they could put it over their shoulder Do you like think flash this dance. Is too, what's, her, what's, uh, what's his nuts? The gay, her gay friend that I should know. Stanford. Stanford. By the way, this is when we see... How, have we seen Stanford? In the yes, unfortunately. Was he wearing a suit with a tie? Yes, in the first he was. Episodes? And, and then he all of a sudden, no. A lot of them throughout the series. But I'm, I've never ever seen him out of a suit and tie. Yeah. So yeah. this was the first time I'd ever seen him dress normally, which were with him when we meet two other gay men who obviously were never ever gay yeah. and had never even thought about being gay and who were gay married in right. 98 Actually, which only lesbians they were life did. partners let's, yeah. Stanford, let's okay hold on yeah let's let's just frame this with right now we'll, we'll continue we'll finish up talking with, about this in the context of Carrie's storyline and we'll go back and talk about yes, the other girls yes, yes. but um so Carrie's storyline is the whole patience and peter thing and being shown the dick and being the 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 single pariah um getting hooked up with this the the marrying guy and then being traumatized because these two gay men one of one of which she knew years ago ask her for her seat her egg for you know out of nowhere nowhere. i mean a very intimate something you would only ask a very close person yeah in the middle of the street says we want We've got a surrogate. We've got a woman who's going to carry our baby, mm-hmm. but she doesn't have an egg. Yeah. She's just a hole. So yeah. we need an egg. Yeah. And this is at a time, too, where I'm sure, assuming, like, you know, like, the birthing process, like, they can just kind of rub the facts, fudge yes. it, because we at home are like, we what? Gay people no, have babies? Right. There are no yeah. TLC reality shows no. about Exactly. It. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you think, though, too, that we saw Carrie meet this, because it's the Bay of Married Pigs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That even gays are getting married now. Right. You know, the yes. idea was that, like, 
everybody's married except for Carrie. Well, I want to talk about this scene a little bit for a couple reasons. This scene reasons. is so important. Because as we look back and analyze what life is like now versus what it was like in 1998, Ugh. to me this is a really good <laughs> example. It's a great example. Your point about, that. first of all, this gay couple, mm-hmm. they call themselves life partners and yes. they, they're, wearing wedding, life partner, they're wearing Rick. wedding bands. Yes. But now, 12 years later... Uh, gay couples actually get married and they mm-hmm. say Legally married. they say we're getting married yeah. I, I haven't this heard the term husband. life partner in years yeah. exactly. I mean that's kind of even a term then it was passe now. right you yeah know, it was it was like taboo and I wonder People... if maybe because because I, I wonder if maybe because it was being geared toward an audience who Number one, the audience watching it was wanting to feel kind of daring and like they were doing something like, ooh, it's cool. I watched Sex in the City and progressive, yes. 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 And then, but also that they were, that, that, that they knew that they would be roping in some kind of peripheral people who maybe weren't quite on board with all the progressive sexuality, but who they needed to appeal to anyway. Yes. So they, so that if the gay people are kind of to, if these gay men coming into Carrie's world in this moment are kind of aggressive, harsh hard to take um needing something from her they just kind of metaphorically slap her in the face and then leave yeah that that these that the people watching at home who are like well i i don't know about that oh my my goodness Mm -hmm. they're just so different Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that the the people can just go oh well they're still super other and they're still life partners and my goodness and they're having babies and it's just safer that way do you think though too the show was made for at the time when this season was happening it was a show made for people like they were making the show for themselves I you know they're so, like we're gonna yeah. put, we're gonna put all this it's a new york show people who live in new york are gonna love the show it's so exclusively new york with lots of inside jokes about living in new york and that's a life that everybody lives up there mm-hmm. right you know here's an interesting conundrum for you okay what I appreciated about this scene more than a decade later is that the portrayal of the gay men was not a caricature. Yes. They weren't doing a lisp. Exactly. They weren't doing an effeminate like yeah. hand motion. But my they question to Stanford. you my question to you is yeah. is that because at the time they were terrible actors and yeah. that they had that perhaps they had wanted them to be more of a caricature that they just didn't do, or were they actually being progressive to a degree in that moment and saying, don't play a caricature here. Actually just play them like normal people. I don't think that gay guy existed until Will and Grace. I mean, people had been gay, people have been effeminate, even... You know, through the '60s, that character archetype. Well, of look the at Paul Lind. Yeah. Like you know, is yeah. Yeah, but so the idea was that, like you that. know, um, I my here's what a funny thing. My uncle, who is also gay, who lived through that time as a gay man, was never very like gay. I just don't think it was. It was like it wasn't an archetype that people had to copy. And I think that what has happened is the the familiarity of like the homosexual. 
Like people grow up now and they see things like just Jack and they have this sort of effeminate queenie type of character. Um, they have someone to relate to. I mm-hmm. think it has bred that, sure. that sort of stereotype. I was, I was watching, I was telling you that I've been trying to catch up on girls because we're doing this. Yes. And the Andrew Rannell's character, who is um, Lena Dunham's character's ex-boyfriend, mm-hmm. they meet up, she wants to tell him that she has HPV and she thinks that he's given it to her. Yes. And he thinks that she's called him to have a drink because she found out he's gay and like they need to talk about it. Right. And um, she's like... Like, things get, she gets a little pissed later in the conversation and defensive and she attacks him and she's like, you know, what is this, this, uh, this gay voice? And he's like, this is my authentic self. I am being my authentic self. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's true. I I um, love that. That's a great scene too, by the way, too. That I think it it happens when you, you know, if I surround myself with monkeys, eventually one day I'm going to start throwing my shit. (laughs) You know? And I think if you go into the culture, then people develop accents they weren't raised with. I just wonder, you know... The, the the interesting thing about that scene was the two gay men in that scene, had they not said we're gay yeah. or had their arms around each other, we didn't have any immediate identifiers that they were right. gay. Yeah. And that's how it is today. In exactly. a lot of cases, you don't know who's gay, who's straight. Right. And I think that the easy way out for plays and TV mm-hmm. shows and movies before we became more progressive about the idea that they needed to immediately identify that someone's gay. And the easiest way to do that... Billy Crystal and Soap. Yes. Easy way. He's weird. They always do this little, like, the wiggle hand motion. Mm -hmm. They allude to it. He was a little over-the-top effeminate, you Mm -hmm. know. Who was that uh, Roger from Family Guy? Who was he based on? Oh, right. Oh, Roger from American Dad. Sorry, yes. Is, that was Dad. Paul Lind. Uh, yes, Paul Lind. sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that whole, like, that idea that that voice existed. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Paul Lind, you know, may he rest in peace and forever alive. Yeah. But that's all that is. We're all just doing yeah. bad it's like, Paul It's Lind like David Cross says in his stand-up, not all gay men have this voice. But yeah. only gay men <laughs> That's true. Voice. Just like so, not all bad driver, not all Asians are bad drivers, but... Every time I see a bad driver, they have to be Asian. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's the same thing, right? Now, like, um, let's talk. Should well, we... first, I w- there's one more thing I want to say about that scene, which, yes. to me, the most offensive thing about that scene was Stanford's pork pie hat. Oh, God. The pork pie hat, which Carrie it's was very wearing later, right? That blue hat made its way around. I think it did. Was it the same hat? Just like HPV. Wearing... Hey, Patfield. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it happened, yeah. right? Or also that he, like, ripped up the card and threw it away. How dare you? Oh, you yeah. should be supporting them. Maybe Carrie should give them yeah. Yeah. an egg. Right. Why is it... By the way, I love... Like, the thing about Carrie Bradshaw is she gets... Everything's about Carrie. And in that way, she's very mm-hmm. much... Like you were saying about Michael Patrick King. Like, she is... Carrie is so self-centered. And I think exactly. Sarah Jessica Parker would tell you that if you got get, gave her half a glass of wine. Like, yeah. she... And Sarah Jessica Parker says, like, I'm not Carrie. You know, Thank like... Thank God. The, right? Um, but I mean, I love, I love Carrie. She's, she's so complicated. Um, and she's, and I think there are a lot of things people tend to talk about sex and city these days and they, they, it's a punchline. People talk about it like it was just fluff. And I firmly assert it isn't. 
Um, but... I think that I think the best character on the show is Miranda. Absolutely. I think she's the realist. I think she has the realist she's life. She's my favorite. I think she's the one that most people can connect with, even though yeah. they don't want to. Yeah. Because she's the only character who ever has a really bad day. Yeah. Carrie's bad day is like, oh, Big didn't want to like, you know, give me a million dollars and fuck me in front of my friends. <laughs> we get it. Or like, um, I'm sorry, you're getting married and you don't want to keep your cell phone on you and your fiance doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, get over yourself. Right? Yeah. Like, that was come a on. That was a really like, big stretch. But, and to your point, what yes. I was getting at is Carrie. Carrie's all butthurt because these. She's like, oh, I'm just an egg factory or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, boo, fucking who? These guys think that you're. They want to start a gorgeous. fucking new family. They want the yeah. new normal, and they want yeah. They think you're gorgeous. They want your fucking DNA because you're amazing, yeah. and you're just gonna act like someone just hit you with a Mack truck. Like ugh. get it together. BT Dubs. I'd be what so flattered. A, what a throwaway potential for a storyline. The whole episode should have been the, about that. That whole episode yeah. could have been about that and her considering it and the pros and mm-hmm. the cons of it and they, and they just... They had an intellectual... They just yeah. tossed it out like yeah. one of her useless now, eggs. let's talk oh, about, before we run out of time, because I... Jeremy, you mentioned this earlier and I wanted to give us proper time to talk about this because... And, and when we were watching the episode, as soon as I saw... Cynthia Nixon on screen in this one scene, I was like, oh shit, I'm so, I said it out loud, I'm so glad Jeremy's here for yeah. this storyline because Miranda, she's at her firm, mm-hmm. she's been at her firm for two years, she's an attorney, she's a smart lady, short but haircut. she's noticing, short haircut, she's noticing in this bay of married pigs that she's not given enough credence um, at her job because she doesn't, she's not partnered, mm-hmm. she doesn't have a husband. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, she's at her company softball game. And this guy at her firm has offered to set her up with some guy. And she's like, oh, I, shit, okay, maybe if I am partnered, I'll get partner. Yeah. <laughs> My stupid attempt at a yeah. pun. Um, and so, but then the, the perfect misunderstanding, that Shakespearean misunderstanding happens, mm-hmm. which is? Which is that... This guy mistakes Miranda for a lesbian he's and sets her, her up lady. with yeah. another woman. Well, A, he's not the first one. <laughs> oh, no. And B, did we notice, too, that like she Miranda wasn't surprised. No. No. She was like, hey, come on. Yeah. Dude. I'm, I'm not a lesbian. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff? Pretty great, huh? Can I pick him or what? Yeah, I'm not gay. Seriously? Man, I've been with a firm eight months. I haven't once seen you with a guy. Circumstantial, Jeff. I'm single. Christ, when did being single translate into being gay? Shit. Uh, you want me to go over there and... No, I'll do it. But then, Miranda... But God bless her for playing it that way. Or for them for it directing that, it that exactly. way. That she, instead yes. of being like, how could you think? I am a sexy woman. No, she was just like, oh, And we shit, can probably give props to Cynthia Nixon oh, for being... Because she's very outspoken about Nixon. who she is. And she's a, you know, very, an advocate. Yeah. So she was probably like, no, we're going to play it how it would really be. Mm-hmm. I'm a sweet woman. We're going to treat this with, you know, humanity. Yeah. But then still, Miranda decides to use it to her advantage to, you know, as because everybody who lives in New York yeah. is a terrible person. Of course. Yep. Um, and she decides to use this lesbian. So you're actually going to go through with the dinner? Yep. I'm determined to make partner in this firm, even if I have to be a lesbian partner. <laughs> Which we see later on in the elevator. So they go to, wait, they go so, to the... Yeah, so, so Miranda and, now I'm forgetting her... Sid. 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 So, of course, there's where the misunderstanding is. The guy's like, oh, I got this uh, friend, Sid, who I'm going to oh, set you up so with. Oh, how Shakespearean. So she's a guest, yeah. right? Um, so, anyway, 
but like you said, Miranda's super upfront about it and goes up to Sid and is like, hey, listen, he thought I was gay. I'm not. It's okay that you are. Let's play some softball. Let's play some softball, which so is they the have most a lesbian thing we could do. Yeah. They have a good time. They decide to go to a dinner party that um, Miranda's... One of the partners at the firm no, the, uh, who's the like, guy. call me Chip. Yeah, the, um, the partner at the firm the guy. mistakes them as a couple together. Hey, come along to our dinner party. Because yeah. as we learn later, his wife is looking to add a lesbian couple to their circle. They're like uber Republicans and they think it's yeah. going to be super hip if they can have I think that I think that's more realistic of the times. I think oh, that like, yeah. you know, people who live in New York, they have to be progressive. So they want to add these people. So I did like but that. But it needs to be like, in a safe way. And, yes. You know, and yeah. so this seems safe to them. So they go to the dinner party. And in a completely unmotivated and sitcom-y ending like very unsex in the city to me yeah miranda just admits that she lied and that she's not really a lesbian and he says oh shucks we and, wanted some dykes in our group yeah, yeah. exactly he's and, like bold move or he says something shrewd move counselor yeah yeah another <laughs> missed opportunity in my opinion for yes. this episode in terms of the writing which is i would have really loved to see the scene at dinner where they're having to talk about their relationship. Yeah, because you know it came up. Met. Yeah, and also, it would have been hilarious. Also, she dressed just like Katie Lang at every movie <laughs> premiere. I mean, it, yeah. she knew she was going in for the role of lesbian, yeah. and she played it yeah. to a T. The, the, the line that bothers me, and you'll find, I this has already happened, this will be the third episode, and I'm sure every episode I'm going to become, it's going to become a running gag that Kat gets upset because... Somebody says something really, really simplistic about yes. gay people or does something because it pisses me off and I understand whatever. But like when the guy introduces Miranda to Sid, he just he's like Miranda to Sid, Sid Miranda. And they shake hands. Miranda's realizing what's going on. Oh, no, he thinks I'm a lesbian. And he just looks at looks from short haired girl to short haired girl and mm-hmm. smiles and goes, look at you two. It's like a perfect match. Mm-hmm. Miranda, this is Sid. Sid Miranda. Look at you two. It's like a perfect match. <laughs> well, I'm going to uh, excuse myself. Why? Because they both have vaginas and short hair? Well, that was in the day where it was like, Ugh. oh my God, you're gay. I have one gay friend too. Right. Would you like yeah. to meet You them? guys will definitely hit perfect. it off. You'll of hit course it. you're attracted you know, to You'll hit it off because you have to. <laughs> well, he knows. I like that, that he. No other gay people. Yeah. I like that he liked that they looked alike, as though lesbians want to fuck a mirror. If or they that could. he said, "Wow, she's hot. I know how to pick them." As if he didn't want to fuck her. Yeah. Right. Oh, so you think she's hot, right? Right. And why aren't they dating? Right. Sh- Sid looked a little bit like Jesse Camp from MTV's <gasps> Wanna Be a If DJ. she were about eight feet taller. Oh yeah. On like a flat hair day. On a flat hair day. Yeah. yeah. Who won because he said, you don't want another Barbie on TV. Right? Yeah. Yes. And he was like, I think he was homeless. Yeah, he was. And meanwhile, so he wins and then Dave Holmes, the runner up, is, is like fucking rocking this town. Mm-hmm. Like I've done stand-in work on shows that Dave Holmes has done. Dave Holmes is like a master of his domain. He's like a host. He does all this stuff. He's always doing the like DVD on TV. Yes. Yes. That's what I did stand and work on. (laughs) He's the nicest guy in the whole world and has like a a career. He's working hard. He writes. He knows everything about music that that everything about anything that anyone's ever heard Uh or talked about music. He knows it. Like he's, he's this long. Anyway, tangent. I'm like Jesse Camp. Jesse likes sex in the city though. You said Jesse Camp. I was just going on this tangent about Dave Holmes. I'm surprised you can speak so clearly about Dave with his dick in your mouth. (gasps) Oh! Oh! 
Well, um, at least it wasn't a pepper mill dick. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know? So, <laughs> another staple of very early Sex in the City is the characters aren't quite figured out yet. I feel like they're getting a handle mm-hmm. on Miranda. Mm-hmm. So far, Carrie has really been a cipher for other storylines. We're yep. constantly going to external yeah. forces. Like, yep. here's my friends that you'll never see again. Here's my Hamptons couple that we'll yeah. never see again. It's not so much about her. But did we notice... I felt like Charlotte and Samantha were there. We got the great the greatest thing about Charlotte was that they later on you see that Charlotte gets set up with the guy who wants to be the marrying man and yeah. they go to pick out china patterns and she's a fucking French countryside French, French country and he's, he's American classic American which classic. that doesn't sound right to me it sounds like it would actually be the opposite i feel French like French classic in American country I feel like American country would be Charlotte the Charlotte that we come to know yes yes um, but yeah, the maybe. idea that i think Charlotte would immediately know in that moment that she oh, wouldn't want to be with that's him. a very and that's good what I point. love about and, that. And she'd be right. Like it's actually not superficial. She knows from China patterns. Exactly. And it, exactly. She actually knows everything she needs to know about the guy, and it's it isn't superficial. And, and it's we not have that simplistic. great moment where Samantha drunkenly, after shots of tequila at a married couple party, comes down the stairs in her lingerie and seduces a 16 year old boy from Ireland who we later see in um, sock garters and a plaid boxers as if this is a stage farce I'm glad the costumer decided to treat it like a stage play yeah call me out on that one we know that's the truth no you're absolutely right but yeah she you know she's what how old is she at the time? Probably 40, Oh, God, you missed our math 85? on the last episode. Yeah, no, she's definitely <laughs> old. We get it. But she fucks this 16-year-old boy, and yeah. it's really very Samantha. Yeah. yeah. And it, like, it's is true. a staple. It felt very it's real. It's true. Like, I mean, we even have that storyline seasons later with, with Sam Jones, the NYU student who has her oh, name. Yeah. We have the same name, the same exchange, and I've been getting all your phone calls. And then she fucks him, too. Mm-hmm. The thing yeah. that happened in this episode that, that didn't feel very true to the Samantha that we know in later seasons Mm -hmm. is how uncomfortable she is at the married party. Yes. Because the Samantha in later seasons we come to know know. would either say fuck this party or just be like I'm going to have a blast anyway or I'm going to fuck a married guy. I'm going to find one of these married guys here. Agreed. Agreed. She would do it at the party in a coat closet. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh and that's what we did coat closets. I've never maybe we just don't go to adult parties but like they had like a coat not a coat check because there was no one watching the coats which also made me nervous because I wouldn't want to leave my coat out there well that's because they didn't have phones at the time it didn't matter you leave your coat you keep your wallet it doesn't matter this is a time without cell phones oh right so this is a whole new world that we forget existed and we weren't adults at the time Mm -hmm. you kind of had to trust everybody everybody trusted each other I just I've never been to a party where I had to leave my coat in the hallway like on a I understand it's New York it's the winter and everybody has big heavy coats where you're going to put them I don't know on a bed in the bedroom like normal people yeah but they have money everybody in this story has money yeah a classic upper a classic six on the upper west side yeah in 1998 when this came out yes I was pushed into a pool which was fine Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I didn't have a cell phone. Oh, then. you don't do that now. Exactly. Don't ever push. You can't have into that kind of spontaneity these days. No, no, no. You're right. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to mention one more thing, which is, it was nice to see a staple of the Sex in the City that I know in this very early episode, mm-hmm. which is the scene when the women are eating lunch, the peppermill dick scene, peppermill dick. because that felt very 
classically Classic sex in the shop. city yeah. scene between the four women, yeah. which we have not really seen oh, up to this two. point. Okay. Um, we've seen them all together, but this finally felt like we're starting to get four distinct personalities, four viewpoints yeah. on a single subject, which is married people yeah. versus single people. Mm-hmm. It was it was cut fast. It was witty. Um, it, there was some good banter in mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the Michael, at least to me, that's the Michael Patrick King influence yeah. of this show. Mm-hmm. There there are so many, as those, as those coffee table scenes get more refined over the seasons, you see more moments like there were in this one where characters convey something by just a look. Or, yes. like, I feel like in these early episodes, they feel the need to talk so much. And they have... The conversations revolve around these grand ideas, like modelizers and Bay of Married Pigs, like mm-hmm. Marrieds versus Singles, where... Um, singles? Singles. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, later on, it becomes... And that's not to say they don't ever have conversations about, like, oh, the guy who's a bad kisser. Of course they do. But, like, a lot of times the conversations revolve around actual boyfriends or, like, re- recurring yes, characters. Yes. Where, like, oh, no, Marcus, uh, Stanford's boyfriend Marcus was an escort. Like, we talk about characters who we've known for a while. Mm-hmm. Versus now, it's just, like... And it's it, you, it's kind of a slog when you know how great it's going to get. But at the same time, it's, it is nice to see some of this yes. um, stuff that we know is coming kind of start yeah. poking out. I just realized, I don't remember how the hell this episode ends. How did it end? Uh, What's the last scene? That's not good. Oh no, I remember a shot of a moon. Oh, Jesus. No, okay, um, well, that's not good. That is not good. <laughs> that is not a good no, sign. Oh, they, oh, she says... You know what? Being married is one thing, but there's nothing better oh, than right. tying your hair back in a purple bandana, <laughs> taking the train down the street, and catching a flick That's with right. your other single girlfriend. As I sifted through the rubble of my marriage skirmish, I had a thought. Maybe the fight between marrieds and singles is like the war in Northern Ireland. We're all basically the same, but somehow we wound up on different sides. Sure, it'd be great to have that one special person to walk home with. But sometimes, there's nothing better than meeting your single girlfriends for a night at the movies. What, what, did they go see U.S. Marshals? They went to see Godzilla. They went to see, in joke, Godzilla, which Sarah Jessica Parker's beard, yeah. Matthew Broderick, exactly. starred in. No. I'm just kidding. I'm yeah, sure no, they're happily no, married. No, she's the he beard. <laughs> oh my. He loves Peppermill Dick. Um, Jeremy, thank you so much for no, sitting thank down. You. Did you have fun? I had a great time. Um, wow. I hope you guys had you'll fun. You'll be at I'm home. sure you'll be joining us again. Yo, these listeners I, I wanna get into like season three and four where I got you some will, real shade. You hey, will. But you I'll have to honest. suffer through this like the rest, rest of us. us. I'm gonna be honest, I'm <laughs> loving you you have such I'm realizing that like you have so much insight fashion wise, like not that I didn't oh, yeah. notice about you before, yeah. but like there are a lot of things like it's gonna be interesting looking at upcoming episodes and going, What are we gonna have to pull Jeremy in for? Like yeah. on purpose. Do you think you'll ever watch this episode again? Absolutely not. I actually <laughs> just like you know, any other season of a show, the only other show I've ever loved season one of is Golden Girls. Yeah. yeah. They got it right from the start. Yep. You know. Yeah. Even the pilot. How was many better. seasons were there of Golden Girls? Seven. Seven. The classic arc. I need to watch all of it. I mean, I used to watch a lot of it with my And that's my what, when you were talking about the dinner scene, Yeah, I think they're fighting Golden Girls. He loves Golden Girls. He wants Golden Girls. He wants four girls with distinct personalities to yeah. fight for what they want. They're fighting it so hard, and eventually they give in. That's what's great about Sex and the City. Yeah. They yeah. give everybody what they want, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. 
Oh, beautifully spoken. Um, guys, thanks for listening. Um, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Carry On and just tune in just next week again as yeah. we episode as we four tackle episode four. We're so we're gonna just we're gonna get through season one all together, and we've got another ninety some odd episodes to go. So, so until then, you want to say you want to say. You'll say, you'll say carry on. Oh. Okay, so I'll set you up, okay? Okay, yeah. So until then. Carry on. Woo! Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and suck a dick. Hey.